And for our scripture reading this morning, we'll turn to two passages. The first in Luke chapter 2. We'll finish off looking at uh, Simeon in the temple with the Lord Jesus. And then we'll also read from 1 Peter chapter 2. So first, Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 25 and reading through verse 35. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, According to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. This far in Luke, now we'll turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. And we'll read the first ten verses. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore it is also contained in the scriptures. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not attained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. This far our scripture reading. Dear congregation, you remember how we 
looked at the previous passage here of Simeon, how he came into the temple by the Spirit, and how he was able to take the Lord Jesus into his arms and to, to praise God and to thank him and glorify him for seeing the salvation of the Lord, for seeing the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the way of salvation that God has made for sinners. And we read here in verse 33 how Joseph and his mother marveled at the things that they heard, how Simeon applied the Old Testament promises and prophecies to their child, to this child, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is God's salvation. This is the light of God, the revelation to the Gentiles. And this is the glory of Israel. But then, as we will see today, Simeon also seems to bring a sharp reality check as he begins to prophesy how this salvation will be worked out in the world. Christ will bring a sharp line of division in this world. In Luke 12, verse 51, the Lord Jesus himself said, Do you suppose that I come to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. And in this passage that we read, and in, in verse 35, Simeon here prophesies that the thoughts of the hearts of many will be revealed through Christ's ministry. There's, an, there's a line being drawn in this world a line that will be to the eternal comfort of his people, those who, who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, those who find their life in him, but it will also be a line for the eternal ruin of those who reject the Lord Jesus. And this morning as we have the Lord's Supper before us, it's again a, it's given by the Lord for the comfort of his people, of those who have learned to find their life in the Lord Jesus, to encourage you to strengthen your faith that in Him is your eternal life, and nowhere else is it to be found. And so this morning we wish to see Simon, or Simeon, how he prophesies of the effect of Christ's ministry as He is a light in this world, and that's our theme, Simeon's prophecy of Christ's ministry. And so we see first here that Christ's ministry re reveals God's perfection. Simeon calls our attention again in verse 34 where he says, Behold, as a word calling us to, to look, to pay attention to what he's saying. And he says, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel. He's destined. And that word, it means appointed. He's appointed by the Father. He's been set in place, is what it means, for the fall and rising of many. There's another place in Scripture where that word is used. It's 1 Timothy 1 verse 9. And there Paul is talking about the law of God, that the law of God is good for those who use it properly. And he says, knowing that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate and for the ungodly and for sinners. So Paul is saying the law is not made. It's not destined. That's the same word. It's not appointed for the righteous person. But it's set in place for sinners. That means the law is not there as, as a goal for righteous people to try reach themselves by their own efforts. That's what the Jews were teaching. 
But the law is a sign. It reveals the absolute perfection that God demands of us. At the same time, it reveals to us that we have failed, that we have lost that perfection that God has created us in, that we can never return to that perfection that God demands by our own efforts. But Christ has been appointed. Christ has been set in place by God, not just as an example to to follow, but Christ is the perfection of God. It says, in Him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, Colossians 2 verse 9. And in Romans 3, it says, He is the righteousness of God. He's set as the righteousness of God for all who believe. The way to receive that perfection is not through trying to obey this law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And Peter, as we read, he says he is chosen by God and precious for that reason. But then it leads us to our second thought. Christ's ministry reveals the ruin of many. It says Christ was set, verse 34, for the fall of many in Israel. And that word fall means destruction. It means ruin. Christ is the revelation of God's salvation. He's the only way, the truth, and the life. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. This is the salvation that God has prepared to reconcile sinners to Himself. And through Him, the light of the gospel shines through the nations. And it says that whoever believes in Him shall be saved. And no one's been excluded from that. The gospel invites all who hear to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, to to come to Him, to find life, to find peace with God. No one is excluded. And it is those who find that life that Peter says in in verse 7, that to you who believe... He is precious. But then here is where the dividing line is revealed. Because the disobedient do reject Christ. To them, in verse 8, Peter says that he's a stone of stumbling and the rock of offense. And John clarifies that for us in, in John 3, verse 18. It says, he who believes in him, in Jesus, is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. The light of Christ's perfection reveals our own darkness, our own sinfulness. Christ, He displays that perfect obedience to God's law, an obedience that we do not have. He reveals the love of God that we cannot even comprehend. He reveals that way to eternal life that is by faith through Him and not by our own efforts. And these people saw the light of that perfection that God set in place, but they hated it. All people by nature hate this light. Have we already learned that in our own hearts, that we don't want to be saved by God? And this is their ruin. 
this, their own destruction is that they reject the only way of life, and they willingly continue to choose the way of destruction. Those who do not believe are condemned already because they're on that road of destruction. And Simeon goes on to say that Christ was destined for a sign which was spoken against. To them who reject Him, He becomes a sign spoken against. They saw in Christ that righteousness that God demands. But Romans 10 says that, they, that the Jews stumbled on that rock and still sought to try to establish their own righteousness, trying to obey the law. They never submitted to this righteousness that God provided in Christ. It means they never repented of their sins. They never turned in their guilt and their inability to God for help. They never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Even when they saw His, his, his humility and his, his obedience and His service that the Lord Jesus exemplified. And Jesus said, if any man wants to be my disciple, they must deny themselves. It means our own pride, our own life, our own self-righteousness. But they stumbled at that, and they spoke against it. And they said, how can that be? And they heard Christ calling sinners to repentance to come to Him, offering the free salvation to all who believe. And this was too much for them. He said, how can He eat with sinners? And how can He rebuke those who are living self-righteous. They stumbled at this message. And it says, for the fall and rising of many in Israel, in the covenant community of Israel, those who carried the sign and the seal of God's promises with them, they could not believe that all have sinned, including them. They could not believe that none were righteous and that we all need the salvation by faith in Christ. So he says, Behold, this child is destined. In the very end, very last sentence, verse 35, he says, So that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. As it's true, Christ was not sent to condemn this world, but Christ's ministry reveals what's in our hearts. He is that dividing line. John 3.17 says, God did not send His Son into this world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. But the consequence of His ministry is that many fall by rejecting Him. They continue in their ruin, and their own ruin is the result of striving against God and against His Word and against His Son. But then thirdly, Christ's ministry reveals the rising of many. Because John also says in 1 John verse 12, or John 1 verse 12, but as to as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become the children of God. That same sign which was this, that made many stumble and, and many refuse to follow is the way, the truth, and the life for those who believe, those who come to God through him. Peter says in verse 6 of that chapter we read, He who believes on Him will by no means be put to shame. He is the chief cornerstone for those of you who believe, the foundation on which His church is built, the foundation on which your soul 
and your eternal life is founded, it's set in place by God for those who believe in Him. He's destined, He's set for the rising of many in Israel. And that word rising really means the resurrection. Christ is the life from the dead. Christ is the light for the darkness of your soul. Christ is the hope for the hopeless and for, the, for the, those who have no righteousness in themselves. Those who see that they are lost apart from God's saving work. Because we see that we're law-breaking sinners. You know, Peter says in verse 9 that you were called out of darkness into His marvelous light. Christ did not come to condemn, but to save. For God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, should not come to ruin, should not come to their own destruction, but have everlasting life. And that same sign is set for the rising of many. That stone which the builders rejected, which the Jewish leaders rejected, has become the chief cornerstone. He is the perfect righteousness that God demands of all of us, but also that righteousness that He now provides for you in Him. He is the chosen one, Isaiah says. God would send Him as a light to the Gentiles. That light that Isaiah says to open the eyes of the blind, to bring the prisoners out from the prison and those who sit in darkness from the prison house. God calls you out of darkness, out of the darkness of your sin, out of the darkness of your misery. When God had come with His Word and with His Spirit and penetrated your heart with the light of that truth to make you recognize that our lives were filled with sin and with corruption, that light that reveals that we are not, not only do we sin, but we are sinners, we are corrupt from birth with that original sin, unable to do any good of ourselves in this world. And then we realize that all our attempts to do good in this world, even all our good works, are like filthy rags in the sight of God. They come to nothing. They're corrupt. God teaches us to see our own pride. We somehow always want to contribute to our salvation. We want our goodness, our righteousness, somehow to count for a little bit of our salvation. We want to feel like we're doing something worthy, don't we? For God to receive us. And God shows us how heavily we try to rest on our own righteousness, our own self-righteousness. But Christ's ministry also reveals the thoughts of our hearts. That we too have rejected this Christ so long and so often. Because as long as we had something in ourselves that we could rest on, we didn't need Him. We rejected Him. We rejected Him as the cornerstone. We spoke against this sign just as others. When initially we didn't want to believe. When initially we wanted to make our own way. And how many times has this gospel come to us? before it humbled us in the dust, and before it caused us to bow before the Lord and acknowledge our own sin. Then God opened our ears to hear what the gospel was really saying, that salvation is only through the righteousness 
of Christ. The only way to God is through this perfect, through this unblemished, through this unspotted, through this undefiled righteousness of Christ that God gives and provides in Him. That is what we must have to cover ourselves in the sight of a holy God. That is the sign that we must follow. This is the line that we must cross. And this is what God has provided. This is what God has prepared in Christ before the face of all peoples. This is the light of the glorious gospel that comes both to Jew and Gentile because there is no difference. Both have sinned. Both have fallen short of the glory of God. And both require this righteousness of God. And then that way of salvation becomes precious to you because you've seen, you've known that you were on the road to destruction, your own destruction, the destruction that we chose. But then you begin to look for that way, for that sign that the world is mocking at, that the world is speaking against. And you see in Christ your consolation. You see in Him your only comfort for your soul, and you repent and believe in Him because there is no other way. It is in Him alone. He must wash us from our sin. He must deliver us from the power of our sin. He must cover us with His perfect righteousness in the sight of this holy God who demands perfection alone, who demands righteousness alone. And when you flee to this Christ, this rock, who is a stumbling stone for unbelievers, you find Him to be the refuge of your soul, the anchor, the shelter. He is the foundation for your salvation. You find in Him your life. You see in Him your all. And that it is only, only by grace, that it is all unmerited, that it is all undeserved, that God bestows this to you. And you see in Christ not just another man, not just an example, but God's answer for your sin problem. When He lived according to the law on this world, when He said, I delight to do Thy will, O my God. And then when He died because you broke that law, when He had to suffer on the cross because you sinned against God, And when you see His crucified body there broken for you, and you see His blood shed shed on the cross for you, there God reveals to you that way of salvation. And there you see that God has His justice satisfied on your behalf. There your sin is paid for. There your debt is cleared. There your righteousness is provided by Christ. And then when you stand there, as it says here, or as later Mary would at the cross, feeling so helpless for her own son, unable to help Christ, yes, unable to help herself. And then you realize salvation is God's work. God's work for you on your behalf. And what else can you do but come with empty, sin-stained hands? You come for pardon. With your guilt and condemnation, you have come for acquittal because He is your life alone. And that leads us to our last thought. Christ's ministry 
reveals the comfort for many. Simeon said to Mary in verse 35, yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Not only she saw her son, the Lord Jesus Christ, crucified, but even all her life, when she began to realize that this child, who was called the son of the highest, the king of Israel, the salvation of the Lord, that he would not be received in this world, but that he was rejected in this world, that he was despised in this world, that he was hated and spoke against in this world. There was both the, the, the sword of soul anguish for a mother to her son who was slain by the violent hands of wicked men, of haters of God, by the leaders of her own nation, by the members of her own tribe and, and nation, joining with the enemies to crucify her son. She saw the forces of evil fighting, speaking against him. But also, that piercing of the soul with that very truth, that we all like sheep have gone astray, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That we see in Christ, as Peter, 1 Peter 2 verse 24 says, who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. For Mary, these words that Simeon prophesied were preparation for her for what she would face in life. That though the path of Christ was one that leads directly to the cross, she would be sustained by those words. They would comfort her soul. But today also Christ is set before you again here in the sacrament as a visible reminder of this wounded Savior and the purpose that He came to this earth. And it can be as a sword piercing your own soul and when you are shown that it's your sins and that have caused the Son of God to be crucified. But it's also a sight of great comfort, comfort beyond words, peace with God as you see His salvation provided in Christ. His sacrament provided to strengthen you for the hour of trial also that will follow you in this world as you face the opposition of this world. And these words, though spoken directly to Mary, apply to all believers. That with the promises of His Word, He gives strength for you to live in this world that despises Christ and His people. Often Christians can expect, or, or might think that they can expect prosperity and increase in the life of faith, that everything will go better and better. But just as Simeon here prophesied, about Christ, the reality of the way in which we must walk is often a difficult path, often a hard path. Christ is a sign spoken against. And now that same opposition is brought against His church, against His people. And we must be prepared to meet that and not to become discouraged 
and not to be surprised. This world does not receive Christ naturally. If it hated Christ, it will hate you. And it's in this way that the thoughts of the hearts of many are revealed. And so the same sign that is given as a great comfort to you who believe in Christ and who believe that He is precious is the same sign that is spoken against in this world. And the revealing of the hearts is a consequence of meeting with Christ. And what does it reveal in our hearts even today? If it reveals that we are still against Him, there is no middle ground. There's no neutral ground, because either we are for Him, either we are with Christ, either we are in Christ by faith, or we are still against Christ, still at enmity with God, and still on the road to ruin and destruction. And often it's the opposition that we face in this world that reveals what is in our hearts, whether we're persecuted in this world, or whether we are allured in this world to be drawn away from Christ. It reveals which side of Christ we walk on. And the Lord's Supper here is an indication of that line. Even though it's an imperfect one because of our hearts and because of external limitations, but the line is there even in the church. And the division that Christ makes ultimately determines where each of us will spend eternity. And so this table is set here this morning also by God for the comfort of His people. To strengthen and build up your faith. To set before you once again the signs of the Lord Jesus Christ. That leaving all our own righteousness we receive by grace through faith His righteousness. As the only salvation prepared by God for you. He is set before you. And here we remind us of that by the signs of bread and wine to comfort you as you rest on Him as a cornerstone, to comfort you as you will be spoken against in this world. And so if it is by the grace of God that you can say today that you rest on Christ alone, and here He also desires to feed your soul, with this sacrament, with the heavenly food and drink, through His Word and Spirit, and by the visible signs and seals.